This morning we're going to continue on in the Gospel of John. So if you have a Bible, open it up to John chapter 15. And we are going to be uh, in John chapter 15. If, uh, if you have one of these black Bibles, it's page 901. Uh, and if you will, please stand with me as I read God's Word. Okay, this is John 15, starting in verse 1 through verse 17. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Guys, pray with me. Father, we thank you for this text. Lord, you are the vine and we are the branches. And we understand that a fruitful vine produces fruit. When we're connected to you, and this, this passage we're going to see is all about abiding and connectedness to you. And we are connected to you because you have chose us. You have connected yourself to us first and foremost. The reason why we love you is because you loved us first. The reason why we can abide in you is because you come and dwelled in our hearts, and we're thankful for that. And so, Lord, today we want to, right now, I just want to, I want to pause and I want to lift up the Richmond family. As many of you guys know, Cecily has been walking through cancer and has gone through chemo. And, and this last year, she's been through at least five to six different surgeries and had an emergency surgery this past weekend for an infection. And Lord, we just ask that you as the great physician would come in and, and give the doctors an extra measure of grace and wisdom to figure out what is wrong and take care of it. Lord, be with Luke as he leads and guides his family through this difficult time. Be with his little children uh, to be able to have a normal life in the midst of, of chaos. Uh, asking where mommy is and in the hospital constantly. And so, Lord, we just ask for an measure, extra measure of grace and strength and for us as a community to continue to come around them and rally around them and, and love them and serve them. 
in the ways in which you have loved and served us. Lord, thank you for this time that we get to get together as a community to to lift up our prayers and our worship and our hearts to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, go ahead and be seated. As you guys can probably tell, uh, my voice isn't normal, and I've been kind of hiding. Usually I'm out here shaking hands and kissing babies, but not this morning. Uh, I, I got like food poison or something late Thursday night, and man, I, I've, I've yacked like I've never yacked before in my life. For over, I was, it was unbelievable. Like from 12 to 5 on the hour, I mean, what else is in there, Lord, I was praying, you know, over the, over the toilet. And, and yesterday I was a wreck, and today I feel okay. By God's grace, I know I've asked some prayer requests for you guys, and you've prayed, and the Lord's given me some mercy, so I hope you guys give me some mercy as well. Um, John 15, 1 through 17, entitled the message, Are You Connected? Are you connected? Uh, growing up in the Sonoran, uh, Arizona desert, you would think that there wouldn't be a lot of things that could grow in the desert. I grew up in Tucson, and, but we had, tr- in, in our household, we had tremendous growth with, and successful growth with fruit trees. We had this incredible lemon tree that would produce thousands of lemons, you know, every year. And then we had, also had this other little, little fruit tree called the kumquat tree, which is like little oranges, Right? And so our family throughout the years growing up in Tucson, Arizona, you know, with lemons, we'd had, you know, lemonade, homemade lemonade and lemon meringue pie and those little lemon squares, the powdered sugar, you know, and, and then little lemon slices for our iced tea and garnishes. And so we, we used the lemons you know, as part of our diet. The kumquat tree, not so much. Uh, it's, a, it's a sour little fruit. Anyone know what a kumquat is? It's a little sour fruit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So uh, for whatever reason, we didn't incorporate them to our diet, but um, my brother and I found a way to incorporate them into our lives. And, and um, the way we did that was, that was our, uh, we would gather our friends, we'd get together, and we'd pick these kumquats off the tree and literally just have a kumquat war. And just throw them. That, was a, that was our way of having a snowball fight in Arizona, but with little kumquats. And so you could be driving down our street, and the street would be clean, and then you get to that 30, you know, 30, 40-foot yard that's in front of our house, that street, and it's just like orange peels all over the place from, from them um, being, you know, exploding on our, our bodies as we chucked them at each other. But, well, all I'd say is we had an abundance of kumquats, of ammo, abundance of lemons. And this morning, we're going to look at John 15. And here, Jesus uses a, a, a fruitful vine and its branches as an illustration, an, an illustration of what a true disciple of Jesus is. And a true disciple is one who abides in Jesus and produces much fruit, is fruitful, he lives a fruitful life. And it's a very relevant illustration for, for you and me this morning, some 2,000 years later, because it will help us discern where we are with Jesus. If we are a true disciple of Jesus or if we are not. Because it gives us a chance to look inward, look at our lives, to see if we are producing fruit. If we are connected to Jesus and abiding in the vine. And so it's very relevant for us today. So let's dive right in. First we see a fruitful branch gets pruned. Verses 1 through 3. I am the vine. I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now what we see right off in in John chapter 15 verse 1 is Jesus uh, here uh, ends with his last I am statement. We've been going through the gospel of John line by line, verse by verse, and we've known that there's a thing called the I am statements, and we've gone through six of them. And the I am statements are basically Jesus saying, I am God. 
It harkens back to Exodus chapter 3 with Moses in the burning bush when he was called to go to uh, free the slaves out of Egypt. And he said, oh, God, well, who, who shall I send, name so sent me? Who, who shall I say sent me? And God says, I am. He gives him the name I am. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, I am the true vine. The first one we heard was in back in John chapter 6 where he says, I am the bread of life. And then in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 10, I am the door. In John chapter 10 again, I am the good shepherd. John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. And then John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here, I am the true vine. So Jesus is making another definitive statement that he is God. I am the true vine. And so Jesus being the master teacher, once again, uses this vivid physical imagery uh, with his disciples to um, explain a spiritual truth. Now, as you guys know, when we started this, we were in John chapter 13. We were in the upper room discourse. He was with his uh, uh, 12 disciples. Judas left, and now he's just with his 11, and he's given them the final words. Jesus has given his disciples the final words to, to carry on because he's about to be arrested in a couple hours and then taken away and crucified, died, and then rose again. So he's given his disciples these final truths to, to take the baton and run with them. But now they're out of the upper room. Remember in the last verse in chapter 14, it says, rise and let us go from here. So now they're out of the upper room and now they're walking through the city of Jerusalem. One of the things they would see over and over again would be they would see vineyards and they would see vines. Even on the temple, Josephus says that there was this golden, uh, uh, not statue, but these golden vines over the the doors of some of the, the temple doors. And it was just to remind the people of Israel when they saw vines that they were called the true vine. In the Old Testament, this, this language would have been really, really vivid to them, especially in places like Isaiah 5 and, and 27 and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, where Israel was known as the vine. And they were supposed to be a fruitful vine. Their job from the Lord was they, they were to be a, a fruitful vine a, and, and give joy and sustenance to the nations around them. But instead, they didn't do that. They became ingrown. And they didn't look outside to bless other people, but they just looked to bless themselves. And so, and really, when you look at Isaiah 5 and you other places, when they talk about Jesus being the vine, they weren't very fruitful. I'm sorry, Israel being the vine, they weren't very fruitful at all. In fact, they were, they were disobedient. They were sinful. And usually it's, a, it's a, a thing of judgment against them. So when Jesus comes in, he says, I am the true vine. He is now comparing himself to Israel. Where Israel failed, he is coming in now to fulfill that promise to the world. He's coming in to bring joy, to bring abundance, to bring sustenance to all the nations, not only Israel, but to all the nations. He is the true vine. He is the antitype. He is the healthy vine that produces more fruit. And so he has come to be a blessing. I am the true vine. This is what Jesus is saying here. And then we see we're introduced to the vine dresser. The vine dresser is none other than God the Father. The vine dresser, a vine dresser back then, loves the vines, loves the vine. And even today we can get this, right? Has anyone ever been to Napa Valley in here? I've never been. Who's been to Napa Valley in here? A couple people? Yeah, it's beautiful from what I understand. These, these, these uh, wineries in there, just, just, all you see is miles and miles of these manicured vines. Well, it takes specific people 
to manicure and to, and to grow and to tend to those wines. They're called viticulturalists. You can even go to school and get a degree in this, right? In grapes, you know? And, and people love it. They go, to, they go and spend thousands of dollars to learn how to grow grapes. Why? Because they love the grapes. They love the vineyard. And this is what God the Father is. He is our vine dresser. He loves us just like they do. And here we see the vine dresser, God the Father, has two jobs. There's more jobs, but he narrows them down to two. First, he says that he takes off branches that do not bear fruit, that are unfruitful. Um, there's a number of different views on this, but I think the way I take it, there's three actually views. The way I believe is this refers to the non-believer who doesn't know or abide in Jesus. This branch that gets taken off. Because we see in verse 6 that this branch that does not invite, abide in Jesus is thrown into the fire and burned. And that's judgment language. That's end time language. So here I believe that that fruitless vine, uh, branch that doesn't produce any fruit is a non-believer. That here the father, he takes it and he and he puts it away on the side to be burned. So that's the first thing he does. The second thing he does is he prunes the productive branches. These would be Christians. These would be those that have repented in Christ and trusted in him and his life, death, and resurrection. Which is kind of odd because if they're being productive, why get pruned? Why do, you, why do you prune them? If they're producing fruit. Well, as any viticulturalist knows or anyone that's in gardening, you prune so that bush, that plant, that tree, that vine would be what? more fruitful and produce more fruit. So this is what he does. He prunes us so that we will produce more fruit. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like getting pruned, right? Right? I mean, that just that anyone in here like getting pruned? No one probably in here likes getting pruned, right? Why? Because pruning involves what? A, a cutting away, uh, a, a clip here, a, chain, you know, a chainsaw here. Uh, there, there invites a little bit of pain involved in pruning. So none of us like pruning, but what we have to remember is we have a loving vine dresser. In fact, we have a vine dresser that loves us that we, we can't even fathom his love. It's a love that to the point where he sent his own son to, to die for us, to bring us back into right relationship. We have a, a loving vine dresser who's doing the pruning. And he's doing it for our benefit, for your benefit, and for my benefit, so that we become more productive, more fruitful, and experience more joy in this life. You see, just like a good vine dresser who cares and loves for his vines, I says, so does the God, our Father, love us. And this is key. This is key right here. When he prunes us, his clips are necessary clips. His cuts are strategic cuts. He, he doesn't just prune to prune us. He doesn't, he doesn't prune us because he's angry at us. He doesn't, he doesn't cut us because he's frustrated. No, he clips and cuts and saws because he loves us. There's strategy behind it to make you healthier, to grow you stronger, so that you will be more productive in your life and in my life. His clips are necessary clips. He doesn't just prune us just to prune us. And we see when he does that, we see a progression in, in, in John chapter 15. We see in verse 2 that the, the vine is bearing fruit. And then it's pruned. And then it says what? Then it bears more fruit. And then we go down to verse 5 and we see it bears much fruit. So we see the progression, the fruitfulness in being pruned. We bear fruit. Then we prune, and then we bear much fruit, and he prunes us again, and then we uh, more fruit, and then we bear much fruit. So then the logical question is, well, what is the fruit? 
What is the fruit that we produce as Christians? What, are the, what is the fruit that we produce as we are connected to the vine? Well, there's two, two ways. There's, there's saving fruit, right? That's the first fruit, is that when we abide in Jesus, we're, we're saved. Um, this whole book in John is written for this purpose, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So first and foremost, the, the fruit that's being produced in us is, is saving fruit. And second is sanctifying fruit, that as we progress in this life, we are growing and being conformed and being more fruitful and we into the image of Christ. So let me give you a definition of fruit. I think one commentator rightly states it like this. This is what fruit is. Anything that is a direct result of Christ's life in you. That's what fruit is. That, you're, that anything that Christ's life is a direct result of Christ's life working in you is fruit. So, when you take a couple steps in humility and you overcome your pride, that's fruit. When, when, when you take a couple steps and, and serve your neighbor instead of, you know, staying on your porch and being self-centered, that is fruit. When, when you take a couple steps in purity, that's fruit. Um, I like to, when I, when I meet with guys, and in particular with, with younger believers, I usually go to, to Galatians chapter 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Because there's a contrast between the, the fruit of the flesh, what it looks like to be apart from Christ. If you're apart from Christ, this is what you do. And if you're in Christ and you have the Spirit indwelling you and leading you and guiding you and teaching you, this is what you will do. And I say, let's, let's go down this list. Because sometimes you're like, man, I failed. I, I screwed up again. I say, okay, well, let's look at your heart. Where does your heart tend towards? And we go through the fruit test. To tend more towards the flesh or to tend more towards the spirit. And they go, man, my heart tends more to the spirit. This is my desire. This is my goal. This is what I want to see happen. That's, a, that's fruit. That's the Lord working in you. Now, sometimes it's, it's not a constant growth, right? Sometimes, um, you know, all we're producing is like little tiny raisins, right? I mean, we're just squeezing those little suckers out, right? And sometimes it's like watermelons, right? We have those seasons where the Lord is working in us. And sometimes as we're abiding in Him, man, we got watermelon, you know, watermelon fruit, big old juicy watermelon. And then sometimes it's like, oh, it's a little bit dry and we just boop, pop out a little raisin, right? But hey, raisins are good, right? Especially if your parents, you know, little bumps on the log, you get a little celery, put a little peanut butter on there, and then you put the little raisins on there, tell, you know, little ants. Kids love that stuff, man, I'm telling you. Raisins are fruitful. That's fruit. That's fruit. So that's what fruit is. So don't, don't think that, man, I'm, I'm not producing watermelons all the time, that there's something wrong with you. No. The point is that you're producing fruit. One who's a Christian, one who abides in the vine will produce fruit. Sometimes we might have to look for it, but it will be there. So here it is. So how, how does the vine dresser then prune us? What are the ways in which he might prune us through Scripture? Let me, let me just give you two. Um, the first one you guys probably know, it's through trials, right? We, we know that sometimes the, the Father prunes us through trials. David said this in Psalm 119.67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. So here we see David, he, he went astray, then he was afflicted, and that affliction that the Lord brought onto him brought him back to being obedient to his word. Sometimes the Lord has to work in our hearts because we can be stubborn, stiff-necked, right? I know I can. 
Anyone else in here with me, or am I the only one? I better see a lot of shaking heads, because I know most of you, and I know you guys are stubborn and stiff-necked, just like me, right? And sometimes the Lord has to bring trials into our lives to, to build this fruit, to, to prune us. C.S. Lewis has a great way of words, and he says another outstanding way. He says it like this. He says, pain plants the flag of truth in the fortress of a rebel soul. Pain plants the flag of truth in the fortress of a rebel soul. So sometimes the Lord prunes us by sending a, a trial into our life. More commonly, though, he uses this method. He, uh, method. He, he uses it through community, through individuals, through those that are in our lives on a daily basis. Galatians 6.1 says this, If anyone is caught in a transgression or in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Sometimes when we're going off the rails and we're falling into sin or whatnot, the Lord prunes us by what? By sending individuals who are in our lives to, to rebuke us, to correct us with grace and gentleness. There are times where we need those, those people in our lives. My, my wife is constantly rebuking me on a daily basis. I'm constantly getting clipped by my woman, man. It's a good thing. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Because I'm becoming more fruitful. And you know this to be true as well. Chris Large uh, was a young believer. This happened about three or four um, years ago. Um, we had a little hockey team that we uh, created with the crossing with about ten guys here and another five guys that were non-believers. And we go to play hockey to be a witness to them. And, and, and what happens is during the game, it gets heated, it gets hot, and the two pastors um, from the crossing get in a little scuffle with the other team. Right? And... After the game, one pastor gets ejected from the game. Um, yep, that would be the that'd be the older, wiser pastor. The, but we're but but we're in the locker room after the game, and, and and most other guys left, and it's just you know a couple guys from the crossing, and here's this young believer that 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 prunes his pastors. Hey guys, we, we can't be doing that. We can't be losing our cool out there. The, the Lord used a, a younger believer to prune these mature pastors by clipping us and clipping away a little bit of our pride. No, maybe chainsawing a lot of our pride away, right? We need individuals in our lives to prune us. And the Lord uses each and, one, each and every one of us to do that to one another. So where might the Lord be doing a little gardening in your life? Where, where might the vine dresser be doing a little clipping? A little cutting. Or maybe he has to break out the chainsaw and, and do a, a lot. But where might he be doing that? Is he doing it through a trial right now? Don't, don't always dis, 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 um, dis, I can't remember, think right now. Uh, dismiss trials as being something negative or something that the, the Lord hasn't brought on to sharpen. You remember Joseph, right? When he was thrown in the pit by his brothers. That was a major trial, years of trial, when it says what God, what you guys meant for evil, God meant for good. Maybe the Lord's trying to do something through that trial right now. Or maybe uh, the Lord is bringing someone in your life to speak to you, to speak to you directly, out of love, out of gentleness, wanting to come around you and say, hey, maybe there's a little correction, a little pruning that needs to happen in your life. I see you doing this, or I see you walking down this path. Here's a little suggestion. Here's some scripture. Maybe they're doing a little pruning. Where is the Lord doing a little gardening in your life? Because if you want to be a fruitful branch and produce much fruit, you're going to get pruned. Secondly, we see that a fruitful branch is connected to the vine. 
This is in verses 4 through 11. A fruitful branch is connected to the vine or abides in Jesus. Jesus is the vine. The vine is the, the life source of the branches. The branches in themselves have no life unless they're connected to the vine. That is Jesus. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. And as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And here is really the heartbeat of the passage. This is the, the meat and potatoes of what John is saying here and what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 15. That if we are to bear a lot of fruit, we must be, we have to be connected to the vine. We have to be attached to Jesus. That is the only way that we are going to grow. The word abide appears 10 times in verses 4 through 11. 10 times. So this is about abiding in Jesus, being connected in Jesus. If we are to produce fruit, we are to abide. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. So what does it mean to abide? Abide means to uh, remain in, to dwell in, to live in, to be connected in and stay connected in, to continue in. And we see that the place that we are to remain, to dwell, to live, to be continued in, is in you, is in Jesus. You know, we can walk outside and we see these big oak trees, or you can go see a vine, and you see these big trunks, right? And it's at that point where you have the vine and the, and the trunks and then that branch. It's that connected point right there where life is. That's where the life source is. It's where that branch connects to that vine. It's all happening right in there. And that's what we are to Jesus. Jesus is the vine, and we need to be connected to him, because as we are connected to him, we will produce much fruit. Now, one thing about abiding, I want to be very, very clear, is what Jesus is not saying here is abiding does not make you a Christian. Okay? This is crucial. If you get this turned upside down, you're going you're to live under a burden that you cannot carry. You're going to live in bondage. Abiding in Jesus does not make you a Christian. Abiding is not the foundation or the condition of becoming a Christian. Okay, get this. Talked about this in love a couple, couple weeks ago. About love. Abiding is not the foundation or the condition for becoming a Christian. Abiding is the fruit or consequence of being a disciple of Christ. Of being in Jesus. You see, you become a Christian by repenting of your sin and trusting in Christ's life, death, and resurrection for yourself. You, you become a Christian by believing, and then once you believe, by believing, then you abide. Does that make sense? And you can't flip that on its head. You become a Christian by repenting of your sins and by faith and receiving what Jesus has done for you. Then the evidence of your believing is your abiding in your passions and your pursuits of Jesus. Don't flip that upside down on its head because you will yoke a, 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 a big old millstone around your neck and you will never be happy. You will put yourself in bondage because you will say that I please God by doing good things for him. And then you look at your life and be like, I'm not doing good things for them, therefore God must not be pleased. And that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is that we are united to Christ. God is always pleased with us. 
When he sees us, we are seen as a child of the king, not because of what we have done for him, but because of what he has done for us. So abiding in Jesus does not make you a Christian. It is the evidence that you are a Christian. So get that out of the way. So when we see that when you abide in Jesus, you will produce much fruit, but if you don't abide, you can do nothing. So what does that mean? You can do nothing apart from Jesus. I mean, we see a lot of people who don't know Jesus that are doing great things, right? I mean, they're building great organizations. They're doing great social work around the globe. So what does it mean you can do nothing? What he's talking about here is this. He means, Jesus is saying, you cannot produce any fruit that has any eternal significance whatsoever. And isn't that part of what we're about here? That we're not laying up our treasures here on earth, but we're laying up our treasures in heaven. So if we want to lay up our treasures in heaven, then we must be abiding in the vine, or else anything that we do that doesn't come from Jesus is of no eternal value whatsoever. See, you and I can't produce, anyone cannot produce any fruit that truly honors and glorifies God and serves to spread his fame throughout the earth if we're not abiding in him. If we don't abide, then there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing good that we can do. We can do nothing. Those who build great organizations and do amazing things for social justice apart from Jesus are ultimately doing it for what? Their own fame, their own glory, their own recognition. They are wanting to build their name here on earth. But that's not our goal, is it? Our goal is what? Whatever we do, whether in word and deed, we do what? For the glory of God. For the glory of God. So therefore, if we want to be fruitful, if we want to do things that bring God God glory, we stay connected. We abide in the vine. And I'm sure everyone in here wants to do that. I'm sure everyone in here wants to be productive and wants to produce fruit. So what does it look like to abide? That's the next question. What does it look like to abide? And Jesus gives us two answers in verse 7. He says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, one, number two, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. So you want to prove to be a disciple of Jesus? You want to prove that you are abiding in Jesus? How do you know that you are abiding? What does it look like? You get into his word and you pray. Now, there's many other things that you can do, but right here, these are the two things that Jesus points out. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Again, we said the branch only lives as it's connected to the vine. A a branch has no life in and of itself, but as it's connected to the vine, the life of the branch flows through it, and the natural end is it produces fruit, right? So think about this. Have, Have you ever heard an apple tree straining to produce apples, right? Has anyone ever heard that? Groaning? Have you ever walked by an apple tree and you just heard it go, urr, urr, you know, and then boop, there's an apple, right? Has anyone ever, anyone? No, why? Because the natural thing that ends up being an apple, it's the natural one. It's connected to the vine. Life is throwing, uh, flowing through the vine to the branch, and it produces what it's called to produce. It's a natural It's a natural thing that happens, a natural phenomenon. So the lifeblood of Jesus, if we're abiding in the vine, the lifeblood of Jesus is flowing to us, the natural thing for us to do is love his word, is abide by his words. Therefore, to abide in Christ is have a natural passion for his words, and his words are found in the Bible, in the scriptures, 
in this book that we have in our hand. You see, it's not a chore. It's not a chore to abide in reading the Word of God. But when you abide in Jesus, and Jesus abides in you, is there, there's a natural desire now to want to read, to study, to meditate, to, to come to a place on Sunday morning to listen to the preaching of the Word of God, to go to life group, to, to gather in journey groups, to, to open your Bible when you could be watching a game or doing something else, to open your Bible and want to get time because you want to hear God's Word, and then, and then it propels you to want to obey His commands. It's a natural feeling. You see, not only does Jesus make His home in us, but his words also make their home in us, in our hearts. These are God's very words. All scripture is breathed out by God, 2 Timothy 3.16. Jeremiah 15 says, your words I found and I what? I ate them and they became a joy to me. This is a natural inclination of those that are abiding in the vine is that we have a natural desire and propensity to love his word and to grow in his word. So we take his commands, we take his declarations, we take his promises, we, we meditate on them, they become the, the very light of our path. We, we cry out to the Holy Spirit to teach us, to, to open our eyes so that we can be conformed in the image of Christ through his words. And we can abide in them. So when we read passages like Jesus is the living water, and we, and, we, and we study those, and we meditate those, and then Jesus says, and whoever, whoever drinks will never be thirsty again, and, and in him will become a, a spring of water welling up to eternal life in heaven. When we read those words, they just don't stay here in this building. Or if you read them in your quiet time, but they go with you to wherever you go. When you, when you go to work, and you have a bad day at work, all of a sudden, these words come into your life, and they, they flood your mind, and you say, man, I had a bad day of work, but you know what? It's okay. Why? Because in me is a spring of well of living water that leads to eternal life, and one day, there will be no more toil at my job, so therefore, I can grind through it. That's how the Word of God penetrates our lives. We just don't leave it over here in our little, you know, our little sacred time, but we don't ever bring it to our secular time. No, they cross over all the time. They go with us. So how is your daily meditation and abiding in God's Word? What does it look like for you? What does it look like for you? Do you have a hunger, a passion, a natural desire to open up this book and read it? That's part of abiding. That's what it looks like to abide is when we get into God's word. Secondly, we talk about prayer. And here he says that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, Rich covered this a couple weeks ago in John chapter 14, so I'm not going to go into it much here. But I will, towards the end of the message, um, challenge you or ask you to abide in in prayer and that will be towards the end of the message so we're just going to skip on to the third and final point a fruitful branch is love verses 9 through 17 as the father has loved me so i have loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you abide in my love just as i've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love and here the metaphor changes to the relationship between a father and a son and a, and a son to his friends. And it's this intimacy that's being on. And the thing that, that binds us all together, the father, the son, and his friends is what? Is love. 
And if you've been with us over the last month or so since we've been studying the Upper Room Discourse in, in John chapter 13, in fact, for, for, for matter of fact, the whole Bible, the whole book of John is, is mainly about love, um, we see that this is the main and dominant theme, that in John 13, 2, Jesus loves his own and, and loves them till the end. In John 13, 31, a new commandment that I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. In John 14, 19, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So what is, what is love? Love is the and must distinguish us as Christians. That is the, that is the one fruit that will distinguish us uh, different from the world, is our love for God the Father, our love for one another, and then our love for our enemies and those that do not know Jesus as well. Love is and must be the distinguishing mark of a disciple of Jesus. And he goes in and gives us a couple illustrations. One, he gives us this great illustration of friendship, a friend who sacrificed for one another. Now, we read this verse in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And we read that and we understand what he's saying. He's talking about Jesus giving up his life for his, his friends, sacrificing, dying on the cross for us, his friends. So, okay, we get that intellectually, but this is a tough one to get experientially, isn't it? Especially in the United States of America. I mean, let's, let's be honest. We live in Disneyland Christianity in here, don't we? I mean, can we be honest, right? We, we don't really have any persecution, except you might be called narrow-minded, and okay, oh, that really hurts, sorry, you know, right? But no one's, we, we can meet freely, we can, we can publicly proclaim Jesus, and we don't have to worry about the, the police or any, an army coming in here and, and taking me out and, and shooting me on sight. We don't have to worry about that, but people do around the world. And there's a context in which people read that verse and they experience it. There, there are people that give up their lives for their friends. And so it's, for, it's tough for us to wrap our minds around it. So this one, I heard this a while ago, but this, is, this is kind of just brings it home to me to help me maybe put myself in that context because I have no, no concept of what this might be. It's, it's about this uh, concentration camp in World War II, and, and the Americans were in a concentration camp, and they had to do you know, work, and, and they were do, digging ditches or something with shovels, and, and every day they had to you know, go back, and they counted the shovels, and they had to make sure there were so many shovels there. Well, this one time, they counted the shovels, and there was one missing. And so after they said, all right, where's the missing shovel? No one knew where the missing shovel was, and so the, the, you know, the prisoners are like, now we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. And then finally, the guys that were running the camp just say, okay, all of you are going to die. And he gets his gun, he's about ready to shoot the first guy, and then one guy just steps out of the line and says, I did it. I hid the shovel. And they go and they grab him and they beat him literally to death. They beat him to death. And as they're, they're passing by, one of the guys, one of the soldiers goes and counts the shovels and all the shovels are there. They just miscounted. But it's an example of greater love that a friend lays down his life, makes a sacrifice for you. That's the kind of love that we have been loved by Christ. And his love is even greater because that was God sacrificing his life for mere humanity, the creator for the creation. So we see that, that uh, fruitful branch is loved. Secondly, we see that Jesus invites us to partake in his Father's plans. Verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for servants does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed that you should go and bear much fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give you these things I have commanded you, so that you will love one another. And now we here we get, we get insight. We get the, the Father loving the Son, and the Son loving his friends, and, and then coming to his friends and saying, hey, this is what my Father's heart is. This is his plan. I'm making it known to you so that you can join us. He says, I have chosen you, you haven't chosen me. To be chosen means to be handpicked from a group. So here God the Father and Jesus handpicks you and me outside from the group of humanity. And he picks us to put us on his team. He, he chooses us, he predestined us so that we might have, be saved first and foremost. But then secondly, join him in his mission. Join him in his mission. And that mission is to go out and bear fruit. And again, we go out and bear fruit when we have Christ producing and working in our lives. And so, one of those other things that we do when we abide and bear fruit, this is going back to the second aspect of prayer right now, because it says that you bear fruit, you should be with, so whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. What I want to do right now is this is where I want to help us abide together. In particular with men, we started up man school again in, um, last week. Um, it's when the men get together, and, and um, I want to do this. I, I want to call upon the men of this church uh, to join me uh, this Tuesday from um, 6.30 in the morning to 7.30 a.m. here at the building and join me in praying for the fruitfulness of this church. And so I want to help you guys abide, and I want you to help me abide in Jesus, so that when we come, we, we, we pray to him and we can ask the Father in his name that he may give us what his desires are. So I want to ask you men, in particular, you men, this Tuesday at 6.30 a.m. to come and join me. Now, I know for some of you, 6.30 in the morning is a little bit early for some of you, right? And you're going to be, you know, sleeping, it's going to be dark, it's going to be cold, and you're going to be like, man, I don't want to get up, all right, join the club, I don't want to either, but we want to spur each other on to love and good deeds, right? So if you're married, ladies, here's the, I'm giving you the authority to kick your husband out of bed at 6.30 in the morning, all right? And if you got roommates, get a cold bucket of water and go ahead and just dump it on the brother, all right, all right? to wake him up, to get him here to come at 6.30 in the morning. Now, I know some of you can't make it because you got work and stuff like that, but again, we want to come together and pray for the mission of this church, and that would be fruitful. Uh, we want to come together and pray for the families and the marriages of this church, that they will be fruitful. We want to come together and pray for the children that, that we have been given by the Father to, to raise them up to love Jesus so that they would be fruitful. We want to pray for your friends that do not know Jesus, that aren't connected to the vine. We want to give, we want to pray for opportunity for, to use you and me as instruments to bring them to be connected to Jesus, to be fruitful. So men, 6.30, this Tuesday, come and, 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 and help me abide in Jesus, and I will help you and abide in Jesus. I mean, if you've been with us in, 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 you know, um, in January, we kind of do this day of the cross, and we kind of celebrate what the Lord is doing here, and the Lord has been faithful. I don't know if you guys realize, but we had three baptisms in January. We have a couple more probably coming down the pike in the next couple weeks, right? We've had, what, four or five baby dedications 
We've, we've had five, five or six new deacons that we've brought before you. We're adding possibly about another 14 covenant partners to the crossing. I mean, the Lord is multiplying this church. This church is fruitful because God's spirit is, is, is here. His word is being taught here. We're abiding in the vine perfectly. No, but he's using us. And so, man, I want to challenge you this Tuesday. And then for everyone else, every Sunday morning at 8 a.m., we have prayer uh, up in the upper, upper room here for this body, for this mission. That's for anybody in here. So if you want to get up and pray um, for the fruitfulness of this body and what the Lord is doing here, you come on 8, 8 a.m. next Sunday morning. We'll be up in the upper room there praying. So join us in praying for the fruitfulness of this ministry. And just finally, we see that Jesus says he says all these things for one purpose. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about peace, we've talked about love, and we've talked about joy. And the world is longing for all those things, aren't they? You can be thinking of your friends and your family and your classmates and your co-workers, and they're, and they're striving for peace. They're looking for love. They're looking for joy. And Jesus says, it's, hey, it's, it's here. It's in me. Connected to the vine, you will have peace. Connected to the vine, you will have love. Connected to the vine, you will have joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for John chapter 15 that we know that as we're connected to you, that you are the true vine. You are the vine that gives peace. You are the vine that gives joy. You are the vine that gives us love. You are the, you are the vine that gives us life. And so, Lord, as we, as we sit and contemplate what it means to abide and be connected to you, Lord, I pray that um, the words that we hear, we we are moved and that the Spirit of God that indwells us takes them and teaches us some and illuminates the Word to us so that we can go be productive branches and to pass on these truths to those that, that need life so desperately. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.